Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. How you doing, everybody? Casey Ryan here again for another episode of The Cutting Room Floor, a little podcast that I started to showcase in the entertainers and creative types from all walks. I like to say, if you've got a story to tell or a project to sell, then I want to hear from you. Uh, the easiest way to get a hold of me is on Twitter. You can ask anybody that knows me. I'm on there uh, pretty much all the time, at Cutting Room MRB, or you can like me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Cutting Room MRB. Uh, quick little shout out as we do to uh, the Wolf, uh, who acts as my announcer at the uh, on my little jingle there. Uh, you can listen to him and his dear wife Susan on the Live from the Morgue podcast every Friday night right here on the Mix Radio Network from eight o'clock until midnight. I love hanging around on there and horsing around. Uh, so again, check out that show as well. Uh, also to Michael Cardello who uh, wrote that little jingle for me, free gratis and for nothing, and I always give him credit for it. Um, so I've got a, two great guests lined up for you today. Uh, in the first half, we're going to be talking with B.J. Lewis. Now, B.J. has got really any, kind of an interesting background. Uh, he lives in Denton, Texas right now, but he's originally from Washington, D.C. Uh, he has a background in journalism, but he also makes films. And uh, he's the head guy in charge over at Torian Films, which is entertainment, no bull. I love that. Uh, Sometimes uh, you do interviews, uh, you know, I like to say this, once in a while you get greedy, okay, and this is a greedy interview because sometimes you do interviews because you get referrals, sometimes you do them because it's people have been on the show more than once, sometimes you just want to do them because they're people that look really interesting, and once in a while you get a project that gets put on your plate that says, yes, I just got to figure out what in God's name is behind this, this is just really cool sounding or funny or whatever. Uh, so entered uh, cheerleader karate school was the one that got my attention. <laughs> I got to hear what this is about. Uh, this is like when I interviewed a couple of guys a couple of years ago where they did a film called Awesome Asian Bad Guys. Had to do it. So uh, without further ado, the cutting room floor proudly welcomes for the first time BJ Lewis. Uh, BJ, how are you? Good, good. How are you doing? So uh, the first question I always have for everybody when they're on here for the first time is a bit of an icebreaker. Did I get all of your bio information right, or is that close enough, as I like to say? Yes, it's all right. Okay, great, great. So uh, I, I guess we can just sort of jump into the thick of it. What is the uh, – it's a web series, right, that you're working on? Yes. That's the, well, uh, web series will be the first uh, – I guess it's our first jumping on point for it, but if we can take it um, off the web – through, through whatever distribution channels we can find, you know, we're looking at that too. Okay, and and uh, what is it about? What's the pitch behind this? What are you doing with it? Uh, Cheerleader Karate School is Perky Chicks and Roundhouse Kicks. It's a group of of cheerleaders that are tasked with uh, using their martial arts skills to defend the world against monsters and demons and other evil sorts. 
And what do you hope to do with it? Like you mentioned that, that uh, do, do you hope to turn it into a feature film or, or is it really, do you think, uh, intended to be a series? It's, for me right now, it's intended to be a series. I'm, uh, my brain is just kind of hardwired into doing series. Um, I just like having more time with the character. And I don't know, maybe it's because I spend so much time binging stuff on Netflix and Amazon Prime and, and stuff like that. It, it's just, I enjoy spending more time with the characters and having more time to develop them and see their you know, ups and downs and trials as they go from point A to point B in their development. And you get so much more of that through a series as opposed to you know, a two-hour film. I mean, you can still do stuff within you know, a film. And I have other films and, and stuff that I'm working on, but... Um, for this and the story that I wanted to tell, it definitely needed to be a series because I needed more time um, with these girls to kind of tell their story. And and how did you come up with the idea? Um, well, <laughs> when I was driving my um, older daughter to school, uh, when she was in middle school, every time I would come out of the school to exit, there was a sign off to the left and it said, um, it was a sign for a facility that taught cheerleading as well as karate. And I looked at that sign every day for the better part of an entire school year. And I just thought, surely to karate school, that just sounded funny um, to hear, say out loud. And then I just tr started trying to apply ideas to it and try to think of what I could do to it to kind of make it just something um, fun, a little bit of cheesy, and just something different, kind of just random. Because I find some of the most random stuff is kind of... Um, catches my attention, so I kind of wanted to take that with cheerleader karate school and maybe stoke somebody's curiosity out there to kind of see, just listening to the name, you know, what it's all about. Now, you're, are you positioning this as a kind of an action comedy or an action drama, or does it not really fall into any particular bucket? I, I, I guess, what mode are you looking to set? Um, I'm just kind of writing it and just kind of seeing what, what goes. Um, Comedy, just straight up comedy or satire is not my strong suit. I commend and applaud anybody um, who writes in the realm of comedy. Um, I can write a joke here and there, but it's I can't just make just go into something saying I'm going to make this a comedy and just you know try to think of jokes and, and stuff like that. I can make certain situations or maybe certain lines of dialogue here and there kind of funny or, or whatever, but that's not really my strong suit. Um, I kind of like to make it. Um, a little bit comedic um, in parts because I mean it's, it's cheerleaders saving the world so I mean there's a certain humor in that situation and that's not going to be lost on the characters involved in it um, but I mean there's going to be moments of, of, uh, of comedy of action of drama it's going to be a little bit of a mix of, of everything yeah, I, you know, like you said even the name implies sort of a, a you know sort of a tongue-in-cheek tone right that yeah and uh, now I, I was curious to ask you about this uh, because, I, I mean, I got kind of an eclectic background myself, but, but your uh, grassroots background was actually in journalism, right? Yes. And uh, what, what kind of stories did you cover or do you cover in, in, uh, in the process of doing that? You're still active as a journalist, right? Yes, yes. Currently I cover um, police and uh, law enforcement and fire um, here in Denton. Um, before that I covered county government. And over my time, I mean, I've written about everything, education, religion, um, family stuff, like I said, cops and, and, and uh, law enforcement stuff, uh, pol politics, local and state uh, politics, uh, 
sports in some cases. So it's been a mix of, of pretty much everything. And uh, I got to ask from a position of ignorance because I'm up in Montreal, Canada, but whereabouts in the state is Denton? It's about 30 miles north of Dallas. Oh, okay, so that close. So it's uh, yeah, yeah, so I'm in, I guess, in the sort of this DFW metroplex. Yeah, the, the greater Dallas area, Dallas-Fort yes. Worth, right? Okay. Um, and I guess why did you take up filmmaking as, uh, as, you know, for lack of a better word, kind of a weekend hobby at least to start with, right? Yeah, um, it's something I hope to transition to a, a part-time and a full-time thing. I'm hoping, you know, God willing, and the creek don't rise, one of my projects, you know, takes off and really I have that lightning in a bottle moment where I'm at the right place in the right time and the right person sees my stuff and really wants to, you know, do something with it. But um, I was an English major in college and then I switched to journalism and um, just thought that my nine to five was going to be as a reporter, but I've always wanted to tell stories. I mean, my brother and I, um, a shout out to Jermaine, my brother, listening out in L.A., hopefully. Um, he and I, since we were kids, have always wanted to tell stories, I mean, to the point where we would um, put on little production, like scripted productions with our toys for our parents. Um, and we always knew that we were going to do something. We wrote and planned uh, shorts and comic books and all types of things, and... I always knew that was what I wanted to do, but in college, like I said, I, I went into journalism, so that was going to be my nine to five. But I always kept a side interest in it, and um, I do video work along with my printed stuff. So that's kind of how I get my, um, I guess, practice, for lack of a better word, um, outside of my personal stuff um, with a camera. And um, I've just tried to get uh, use my work stuff to help my personal stuff use my personal stuff to help my work stuff as far as video and and my skills and experiences and what I can do because I, I you know I didn't go to get any sort of formal education in film um, everything that I've done is just because I picked up a camera and just ran with it and you know read every tutorial I can find or I constantly watch you know videos and tutorials and stuff like that kind of to you know help supplement my education along with just the experience I get on a daily basis just going out there and doing stuff and taking my lumps and, and screwing up as I've done lots and lots of times but I've learned each and every time so I'm just trying to um, learn and get better every day at what I do. Well, I mean, a lot of people learn that way, right? I mean, like, that, that was kind of an organic process that I went through in the process of developing this show, right? That, that you know, there are no rules. You just sort of go out there and, and you know, jump into the pool and see what happens, right? Yeah, I mean, I've I've read you know lots of there you know the different schools of thought from people as to whether or not you know it's worthwhile to go to film school and take on you know more loans and debt and all that kind of fun stuff doing that or whether it's good to just pick up a camera and just you know go to it. Um, and I know kind of it works both ways, kind of work for different people. Um, and mine has been just to kind of you know trial and error on the fly. So. Um, that's worked for me thus far. Uh, now, in, in terms of you, you actually set up your own little production outfit, right? And in terms yes. of uh, Torian Films, is uh, the name of your group? Yeah, because I'm a Taurus, so hey. I just when trying to think of a name, I just went with with that. Um, that's kind of what I do stuff on my own. My brother and I have a a group um, that we work under called Jigsaw Entertainment. 
Um, but when he's doing his thing out there, he's got a separate kind of um, banner that he does his stuff under, and then I've got a separate banner that I do my stuff under, like Cheerleader Karate School. And beyond um, CKS and some of the other projects I'm doing, I'd like to start doing more. Um, and I've tried to start reaching out to local artists and stuff because I'd like to do more um, uh, music videos. I've done a couple of those thus far, and I'm wanting to do more. I'm working with a Dallas band named uh, De Facto on some of their video endeavors, um, and I'm hoping that can kind of be a jumping off point to to pick up more um, clients in, in that regard. And I'd just like to do more kind of freelance work, uh, video stuff, as I kind of, like I said, try to work a track where I can parlay um, or I can transition to, you know, doing the film stuff or production stuff part-time and then segue into hopefully full-time at some point. Now, okay, you got me curious about this because I've had a couple of people on here, not too many, okay? I've, I've had a lot of bands on here, but I, but I haven't had a lot of people that are actually involved in the process of shooting music videos, right? And one of the things that I was always kind of curious about is conceptually, how do you actually come up with the idea for, for what gets shot for, for a music video, whether you're going to go with a storytelling motif, whether you're going to go with abstract stuff, or whether it's just sort of a straight-up performance piece? I, I guess, is it you that comes up with the initial idea and then pitches it to the band, or do they come to you with an idea? Like, how, how does that process typically happen? It varies. I mean, it could be any combination of that. Um, a lot of times it's just, you know, you listen to the song, a bunch, bunches and bunches of times, and kind of you know, kind of get your own ideas of what you think the the message of it is, and kind of what you see, and then you'll go to the band and kind of sit down with them and talk about what you know, what steps led to them writing it, because that could be a story that you could tell through the video, or you can ask them what the song you know means to them, or what their purpose of for writing it, what they wanted to accomplish. Any of those things could um, contribute to. Um, the process of figuring out what exactly you want to shoot for the video. And you said you've done how many of them at this point? I've just done a couple. I've done a couple, um, okay. One was for uh, a work assignment for the newspaper. We were going to try to do this. We had this big project we were going to do where it was going to be leading up to the 12 days of Christmas. We were going to get um, 12 different bands or musical artists to do Christmas carols. Oh, okay. Just in whatever style they were, like polka or, or, or rock or um, jazz or you know hip hop or, or just whatever their style was, we we're going to get them to do a Christmas song. So we we're going to need to do, and we we're trying to plan this a couple months out from December, where I was going to get with all the the artists and do the video, and then we were going to put them online on the website, um, you know, leading up to Christmas. And just uh, some of the artists got back to us. Majority of them didn't, or at least they said they were going to, you know, they wanted to do it, but then they never made time to actually do it. So it kind of fell apart. And the one video we shot was totally like on the fly with like 40 minutes of, of planning behind it or, or setting up at the little studio where we shot it at. And it was, it was, wasn't the best, um, but it was just, it was my first experience in actually doing one. So, I, you know, I was glad to have gotten that out of the way. But now that I've done it, I've seen. 50 million things that I would have done differently to make it better. So now I just kind of, I'm just searching for that opportunity with, with artists. And Denton has no shortage of, of good, talented indie artists. So I'm hoping to connect with bunches of them and uh, really just bring out more videos. 
and I, I've heard that about that area, right? That that is seen, they got a really hopping little music scene in in the Fort Worth area, from what I understand, right? That there's lots of great music that's coming out of that part of the uh, the country. Yeah, lots, lots, and lots. So, who are some of your favorite discoveries? My favorite what? Your favorite musical discoveries down there. That uh, you know, what, what are some of the names that jump to mind? Um. Uh, this guy, Quentin Moore, that I did a electronic press kit for him for. He's uh, kind of a smooth, uh, soulful kind of sound to to his music. Um, that was a really, really good one. Um, and of course, de facto, they're good. Uh, I met with them a couple weeks ago and. Um, they're kind of in a transition right now and, and finding a couple more band members and stuff, but actually listening to one of them, their rehearsal space and hearing them, some of the music they were, they were putting out sounds, uh, sounds very, very good. And I listen to more, I listen to everything, but I listen to more rock than anything else. So like, I'm kind of partial to, to that. I haven't been able to go out to as many shows as I would like, just with, um, family obligations and just my own production stuff that I'm trying to do on the weekends. And I'm trying to get out to, uh, to more shows. And like I said, as I try to find more artists to work with, I'm definitely going to stick my head in the door of lots more shows and kind of meet and greet, drop a business card and say, Hey, if you want to make a video, come to me because I'm trying to do more. Uh, now what can you tell us about the team that you've assembled for uh, cheerleader karate school? <laughs> um, I have lots of talented martial artists. Each one of the girls, uh, the main girls, has a martial arts background. Um, Gabriella Corvina and Christine Regic are two of the uh, two that I casted early, and I was actually casting another sci-fi short little. It was going to be a six-episode mini-series that I was going to do, and I had received Gabriella's um, headshot and resume for that, and I was looking down her resume and reading it and then I saw where she had 12 years of mixed martial arts and, and martial arts um, experience and training her parents owned a dojo um, south of Dallas and um, she's got four or five styles that I always forget to her credit in her background and I asked her if it was legit and she said yeah and then you know she started laying out everything for me and then I kind of filed it away in the back of my head thinking about cheerleader karate school because I was going to do that after I did the, the sci-fi short and um when I was auditioning Christine, we were just kind of talking, chit-chatting, and I had mentioned Cheerleader Cry School, and then she kind of casually mentioned that she was a, a black belt in Taekwondo, and I was like, oh, cool. So I filed that away, and it kind of made me confident that I could find five actual martial artists for the leads because I wanted them to be legit. Because on my show, um, my web series Party Girl that I did before that, that I did a couple seasons of, we had a couple fight scenes, or we had lots of fight scenes in it. And some of the people that were in it, while they gave it their all in the scenes, a lot of the times, the first time they ever threw a punch in their life was when we were rolling cameras. So it didn't have the, the uh, a certain, like, oomph or, like, pop or just, um, just, it could have been just more brought to the scene with them doing it. So I wanted legit, um, you know, martial artists for cheerleader karate school. And anything else that I did kind of going forward. And we were two days before we were going to start shooting the sci-fi short. And the lead actress dropped out kind of 
project kind of imploded. And then after that happened, I just started thinking I was just going to go full tilt on cheerleader karate school. Since I had Christine and Gabrielle and they were good with it, I started um, putting out casting notices to try to find uh, more um, girls with, uh, more ladies with that background. I have uh, brought in a couple others with karate, more taekwondo, um, Muay Thai, Jiu-Jitsu, and just... uh, almost every other style under the sun. One of the girls has that, has multiple years um, of that in their background. So, like I said, just to bring a, a legitimacy to the, the martial arts part. Because while it's going to be cheesy and campy in some spots, I thought there's no reason why we can't have balance out the cheesy campiness with some really badass, you know, fight scenes. No, and you're right. I, you know, when you're even at the, uh, you know, working on a, uh, a smaller budget like you are, I mean, it makes it all the more important, right? That if you are going to have fight sequences, that is a key element that you need to have a certain level of authenticity with, right? Yeah, it's just, it's again, it's a learning thing, and that's one of the things that I wanted to do more of was shoot more action so I can get better at it. Um, I'd recently shot a. Um, a short for a local film competition with Gabriella in the lead role called uh, 20 Minutes or Less. And it was a martial arts kind of thing that really, um, it gave me a chance to work with Gabriella. gave her a chance to work with me to kind of see how we both um, operate on sets as well as for me to see her martial arts skills on display and, um, and to see that, you know, she is definitely the truth when it comes to her skill set and what she can do. And just, it was just like looking back on it, I see a bunch of stuff, about it that I wish I would have done better or done differently. So I'm trying to apply that as well to cheerleader karate school and just how I go uh, about putting together the fight scenes, shooting them. Um, as I'm just trying to, cause that's just gotta be, it's just gotta be good. I mean, everybody that's been, that's going to work on this is are really good, talented, badass actors and actresses. And I, it's up to me to make them, look the best that they can be and make sure when they look back on what they do for me that they think it was worthwhile a worth a worthy um, project to spend their time and, and, and energy on no and that's uh, I mean you, you've taken this really to heart and I, I appreciate that that this is not something that you want them to look back on years from now and feel like they have to sweep under a carpet during a future interview with somebody right that's... yeah because I mean they've I mean in talking to them I've heard some of them kind of talk about some projects that they've been on where things you know they thought it was going to be one thing going in and then it turned out to be something horrible or the the end result of it the footage was nothing that they could use on their reel or it was just horrible or this or that like i don't ever want to be somebody's horror story you know and uh, it sounds to me like you have a healthy appreciation for martial arts yourself is that right yeah i love um i just i mean my particular um favorite movies are you know martial arts and those cheesy old school martial arts movies and um sci-fi adventure type stuff i mean i watch everything and uh, at the end of the day you know 30 years from now when i'm done i would my plan is to have made at least one film or project in every single genre be it comedy romance history like period piece or something or uh science fiction or you know a kid's movie and and martial arts i want to do horror i want to do one of everything at least once but my main niche that i like is uh sci-fi stuff and then just people getting punched in the face 
So, so uh, you know, why do you want to be so diverse? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of curious about that. Well, why is that important to you? Just a, um, I just want to see everything and at least have done everything once. I never want to be kind of um, pigeonholed to one sort of uh, of thing that I can do or one sort of style that I, that I can work in. It's, and you just want to be diverse because you can give yourself more opportunities the more um, diverse your skill set is. I mean, that's true with... Uh, you know your nine to five career. Um, the more you can do, the more worthwhile you are to your employer or to you know somebody else that may want to pick you up. Um, and the same to me, I'm applying that to the film stuff that I want to do. I want to be diverse. I want to be different. I want somebody to think, okay, we need a romance, a romantic comedy. We can call Torian films. We need action. We can call Torian films. We need a musical. We can call Torian films. We need a horror movie. We can call Torian films. It just would create more opportunities for me to to work and that's the you know the that's big thing about it is just making sure right? okay. that with this there's plenty of opportunities for me to do my thing so is there a part of the process that that you find more fulfilling than others whether it's writing or editing or uh you know have you stepped in front of the camera in any of your own projects uh begrudgingly in a, in a couple cases <laughs> I, I did but it's in front of the cameras is not for me i scratched that itch like a long time ago and it's just not something i want to do that Part that I one of the parts I enjoy the most is um, is um, like writing the characters and just kind of seeing, um, envisioning how they're going to be on screen, and then you know when you get the actors and you kind of start envisioning them in the roles, and then we actually show up that first couple days of of shooting. Like I pretty much have like a a, a grin on my my face uh, majority of the time, although I've now I've kind of gotten better at hiding it. But just when you those first few moments those first few takes when you see your characters come to life um, it's really it's it's awesome to see uh, I'm just gonna take a quick break here BJ and uh, I think I've got my next guest here uh, Marcus Cassidy uh, uh, Marcus are you there yeah I'm here okay how you doing Outstanding. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. So I just want to introduce you, Marcus, to uh, to B.J. Lewis, who is a uh, a filmmaker out of Denton, Texas, and he was working on a project called uh, Cheerleader Karate School. And uh, Love it. Uh, B.J., this is uh, Marcus Cossidy, and uh, he divides his time between New York and Los Angeles, and uh, he's working on he's in pre-production on a horror film called Murder Hill. Nice. Nice. Awesome. And by the way, I, I totally love that one of your favorite genres is punching people in the face. I'm so, that is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that, that just totally made my afternoon. I'm like, I like this guy already. <laughs> All right. So, uh, BJ, the floor is yours here. Let's get some, uh, some promos going here. Where can people learn more uh, about Cheerleader Karate School and uh, you know more about Torian Films and, and uh, let's kind of plug for your Twitter feeds and all that fun stuff, all right? Well, we're, I'm at Torian Films, which is T-A-U-R-I-A-N Films. Uh, we've got TorianFilms.com and uh, all the social media stuff, Instagram, Twitter is uh, Torian Films. Uh, i got TorianFilms.com and specifically for Cheerleader Karate School, I mean, you'll get information on that at TorianFilms.com, but Facebook.com slash cheerleader karate school, all one word, is the best place to, the best central place right now to get information on cheerleader karate school. And we're in the very early stages of it, but we're still trying to take every opportunity 
to get people on board as early as possible with it. So we just ask people to check it out, like it, to share it um, with friends, family, just anybody they may think might be interested in um, in the show. I mean, it's, it's I always like to, I'd like to describe it as a mix of uh, Buffy, Supernatural. Uh, Dragon Ball Z and Sailor Moon. You put them in a blender, you would get Cheerleader Karate School. So hopefully people can kind of come away with that. They'll enjoy it and be with us in a few months when the pilot drops. Well, you know, if you want to come back and talk about it then, then I'd be proud to have you back. All right? Cool. All right. So, uh, uh, so uh, Marcus, what I'm going to do here is I'm actually going to run the Hollywood Rock and Wrap Up by Jason Hadley. Uh, and a little piece of music by Fastball, so we're going to be back. Uh, I just ask you to please uh, not go anywhere, but just mute up, and then we'll be back with you in about five minutes, all right? You got it. All right, so, uh, again, uh, my thanks to BJ, and we'll be back after a short break here. It's the Hollywood Rock and Wrap-Up with your host, Jason Hadley. A criminal investigation's been launched into how Prince was able to get his hands on the prescription pills that ultimately led to his death. With authorities executing a search warrant on his home, at least this time, there's no rush when it comes to removing Prince. Kim Kardashian posted an early morning nude photo of herself getting out of bed. Thankfully, Kim won't always have to get out of bed to have breakfast, as in a few years, she'll just wake up with muffin tops and cottage cheese. HBO's taking legal action against porn websites that feature clips from their hit series Game of Thrones. With so much incest within the storyline, some parts of the country consider those clips more instructional videos. Tabloids are reporting that Tom Cruise has virtually abandoned his daughter Suri as required by his Scientologist beliefs. It may be worth voting for Trump if the sci-fi-based religion is included in his anti-alien agenda. And that's the Hollywood Rock and Wrap-Up. Follow us on Twitter at Rock and Wrap-Up.
still puts a smile on my face and it's getting closer to summertime so I thought I'd play that one dig that one out so uh, my guest in the second half of the show is of course uh, Marcus Cossidy uh, Marcus I should let you know wins the good sport award because uh, I had a bit of a scheduling issue with the guest that I was going to have on here today and uh, Marcus I put out a call on Twitter global village you never know who's going to respond and Marcus came to me and said well I got a pretty cool project I'd like to talk about in this murder hill thing I started looking at it you know, I really would have gone after this anyway. So you know, this is sort of, no, really, really cool project, Marcus. So thanks, appreciate it. Uh, he's uh, he's the vice president of Awesome Monkey Productions, uh, he's, where he's uh, works as in a capacity as a screenwriter and producer. Uh, this is also a joint venture with his dear wife Anna, who is the CEO of Awesome Monkey Productions, and she also writes as well. And they are in pre-production on something called Murder Hill, which got my attention, and I uh, really wanted to hear about this. So, without further ado, uh, and I thank him for uh, having spelled this name phonetically, because I would have taken a run at that hill wrong. Uh, but uh, the cutting room floor proudly welcomes for the first time Marcus uh, Cossidy. Uh, Marcus, how are you? Uh, doing outstanding. And you know, the funny thing was, is uh, don't give the award to me per se, because my wife was on Twitter when she saw it. And uh, I was trying to drag her here, but she's busy at the moment. <laughs> okay, well, no, but uh, yeah, it was um, it, it was kind of funny. We were like, uh, you know, we were just sitting there watching the old episodes of Game of Thrones because now that it's six seasons on, you kind of forget who the hell's who in that show. Yeah. And you're like, who the hell is that person again? So you have to go back to an old season one. Oh yeah, that's who they are. Um, but yeah, she said, hey, you know, this uh, host is looking for. Um, somebody talk about some projects and I was like oh yeah definitely let's do this so here we are and you know what like I'll freely admit fortunately it's only happened to me a handful of times where, where you know the, the there's been a scheduling problem or something but I I mean I've done over 500 episodes of this show and I can look back to the ones that that where I did have to parachute somebody in at the last minute and sometimes that was some of my best work to be honest with you because so, I, I, awesome. well, no, like, I don't have a chance to overthink it right so you know you kind of have to run with it so yeah, no, no, it worked out great. <laughs> so the first question I always have, Marcus, for, for people that are on here for the first time is just a bit of an icebreaker. Uh, did I get all of your bio information right, or was that close enough for rock and roll? That's close enough for rock and roll. Yep, you, you, you got it right. I got it right? Okay. Yeah, 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 it's good, man. It's good. Good stuff. Yeah, you know, um, it's uh, my wife uh, started out as the writer, uh, per se, more than I have, and she started writing around 12 years ago. And she's a Hollywood screenwriter now. And um, when we met, 
and we met in Alaska out of all weird places to meet, but uh, several years ago she decided to start a, a, an independent film company, and we decided that, you know, the what I learned from her on the writing realm, and, you know, she kind of taught me a lot in that realm as well, um, we decided pushing scripts alone in Hollywood is always challenging, and it's a highly competitive field, and we in order to get really noticed more as filmmakers, you have a better shot making short films, making independent productions and doing good in that realm and you get noticed quicker if you put something out there in the filmmaking world and it's seen, watched, uh, considered and or even talked about. So we kind of birthed Awesome Monkey Productions in that realm and uh, here we are today. And uh, we went ahead and decided the funny thing is, is that we weren't writing horror films to start out with. So we were the, uh, she was the romantic comedy person um, by far. And I was the uh, more of a sci-fi type of guy and thriller aspect. And then when we combined her comedic skills uh, with my sci-fi and thriller storytelling, uh, we got some pretty interesting, neat stories together. And a friend of ours, who I'll go into a little bit later here, Mr. Tom Proctor, said, you know, um, I want to do a really good horror film, and I'm overdue for one. And he has such a huge fan base. Tom Proctor is a guy who was in Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Nashville, Justified, 12 Years a Slave. He's been a, a, a slew of movies. He's a great actor and a great friend of ours. And uh, so he kind of pushed us in the horror direction, and here we are today, uh, writing a horror film and producing one. Yeah, and, and uh, I mean, I, I was going to touch on this a little bit later because he's not the only recognizable face that you have in this, right? That, that attached right. to this, right? But, yeah. But 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 Tom Proctor, like I, I looked him up and I go, oh my god, that guy's been in everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's you know? he, he's one of those guys where it's it, it's one of those things where if you don't recognize his name right off the bat, as soon as you like Google him or bring him up on IMDb, you're like, holy crap, I've seen this guy like in, in a lot of movies. He has that very recognizable face. And uh, no, no offense to, to the big guy, I absolutely love him, but he has a scary horror face. And it just, <laughs> it looks really good on film, so that's why we definitely had to cast him. Well, no, I mean, that, that's, that, that's a compliment, right? That, that, you know, the guy is imposing, right? And, and, right, and, and, absolutely. You know, uh, and, and he's worked very steadily for a long time, right? So. Yeah, yeah he, he, he's been in the business for, for quite a while. And what's great about Tom is that not only is he a great actor and just a great all-around guy to work with, uh, he's he's a phenomenal and well-known for his stunt work as well. He's, he was a Hollywood stuntman for 20-plus years. I didn't realize so, that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's he's used and abused his body quite a bit. <laughs> now it's starting to catch up with him. But uh, So he doesn't do as, as heavy as his stunt work anymore, but he does a lot of liaison work in that field because he just has his knowledge is so, so broad in that area that a lot of people hire him not only to act in their film, but he'll, he'll do a dual role of stuntman court coordinator as well. So he's a pretty talented guy. Now, while we're on the subject, right, you do have at least two other names that, that uh, you know, should be fairly recognizable to people as well that are attached to this. Yeah, so um, one of our all-time favorites, and she is absolutely a doll. We just finally met her in person last week when we were filming uh, scenes for the trailer for this is Marilyn Gigliotti, and you may all very well know her from the cult classic movie of the 90s, which was um, Clerks, and she was Veronica in Clerks. 
So that is uh, that's what she's best known for. But she has a huge sci-fi slash horror following now too, because she's done stuff like uh, Lake Erie, and she has a whole slew of films that she's done. She's kind of our 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 um, Hollywood screen queen per se, and uh, but she is probably one of the most talented ladies I've had. You know, my wife and I have had a chance to work with, and what she brings to the table is just years of experience. Uh, she's very humble, uh, you know, when she starts shooting. She's just an all-around great personality. She looks like a genuinely nice person, too, from what I've seen. Oh, she, she is. You know, it, it, it's always, no matter how many times you do this or no matter how many people you meet, you're always nervous to meet people who've been in the industry for a long time because, you know, you don't want to look obviously like you're crazy or like a fool in front of these professionals. But uh, I met her at the airport and uh, she's texting me the whole time. She's like, I'm, I just landed. I'm so excited. And, and we actually, uh, when I met her at the airport, she actually, you know, we ran up to each other. We, you know, hugged each other. We were just so excited to see each other. And she was just, she's one of those people who you could sit there and she makes you feel like everybody is on the same level. And, and that's what I love about her. She, she brings that to the table. It's like, hey, no one person is more important than the other here. Uh, she's part of our team, and that's one of the things that my wife and I strive to work together with these folks. Is we want to create that team environment, not the I environment, and she's just phenomenal with that. And the uh, the, the, the last person that uh, you had on that uh, I recognized was somebody, I think it did MASH and, and uh, Seinfeld and a bunch of other properties, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, he's been, he's a veteran actor, and it was a, you know... We got lucky with him. We had a friend of ours who's a producer friend, Joe Jiraji, who uh, lives in L.A., who introduced us to Mr. Basil Hoffman. And Mr. Basil Hoffman is just a rock star uh, as far as veteran actors go. And he has worked with everybody that you could think of under the sun, from Steven Spielberg yeah. to, you know, all these famous actors and actresses on, a, on Emmy, you know, Oscar-winning, award-winning films. You know, he's been in The Artists, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, uh, Rio, I Love You, that just came out, which is a new movie. He was in Hail Caesar, that was uh, just came out um, a while ago. So he is just uh, he has a very broad uh, acting slate of the type of genres and films that he did. We introduced him to one of our sci-fi pilots, and uh, he read that sci-fi pilot and he called us back, and he goes, you know, I would be absolutely thrilled to work on this project with you. And, you know, we were elated, of course, and we were like, well, thank you. He goes, no, the writing's strong. He goes, I love the storyline. He goes, and I can tell you guys take your work seriously, which is, you know, to receive that type of feedback from someone like him was just, you know, made us very humbled and kind of inspired. So we came up, well... You know, we don't know how you feel about horror. I know you've never done horror before. He goes, well, give me the idea of what uh, my role is. So we kind of went through his role, and, you know, there was a little bit of a silence on the phone. He's like, book me. I'm in. He goes, I love it. And we're sort of like, all right. So uh, he is our our third and, and, and final uh, act, per se, uh, to wrap up the slate of Proctor, Gigliotti, and Hoffman. And it's just what a great cast we have lined up for this. No, I, I should sure as I'll say so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, okay, so so taking a step back conceptually here, let's talk about the property itself, right? Um, what, what is Murder Hill about? 
Murder Hill is based on true events that happened in upstate New York uh, over a couple of decades now. We didn't want to take, you know, a, a lot of a lot of horror films take one true event or one true story and base it on that one particular thing. We wanted to be a little different. We were like, how can we make the horror genre a little more freaky, but yet um, believable and at the same time very entertaining so what we you know my wife and i decided to do is anna decided to take these true events that happened in multiple cases throughout history in central new york um, in upstate new york and combine them into a single character so if you could think of someone sucking in the minds of all these killers and being that one person that's basically what this guy is it's 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 an incredible tale of a small town that is completely freaked out by one man who surround themselves around him because they're afraid of him. So the town sort of protects him out of their own fear. Um, and it goes years and years like that where the father, played by Basil Hoffman, and the killer, who is Tom Proctor, um, the father is actually afraid of him as well. And this is a, a tale of how one killer can manipulate not only the people he lives with and his family, but can manipulate an entire small town and get them to turn against everyone who enters. And he becomes that uh, psychopathic killer who, and I won't release too many details, I'll just say uh, who gets off, I don't know if that's a term to use really, who actually has this euphoric thing about people who scream. And there's a reason behind that story, but we're not going to release that one. <laughs> no, 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 I, I don't want you to tip your hand, but I mean, this sounds very, very psychological. Um, it, 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 it is, it, it, ha it has a deep storyline to it, but it, it's a psychological horror f film. So, it, you know, is there blood and guts? Absolutely. It, is, is there some axe-wielding slashes and cutthroats? Absolutely. But th there, is, there is a solid storyline to it because Anna's a very, uh, her stories are, are very in-depth and she never wants to get shallow in her storytelling so she always wants to make that in-depth but we wanted to make sure that not only do we make it a good psychological for the story but we wanted to make it that fun cult horror flair where you get that following of horror fan films who will not only appreciate the good story but really appreciate you know what everyone loves in horror films and well, you know, and I, I would agree to that. That, that uh, you know, to me, nothing makes me lose my attention faster with a with a, a horror project that is strictly all about the you know about the blood and guts, right? The, the, right. The, you know, I mean, if there's no reason for me to care, it's not going to scare the hell out of me. Right. Right. And, and, right. You gotta you gotta approach it as there's there's two types of horror films. You know, there are. There actually is a place for those non-story, just all-flare type of productions. They have that, you know, that B-rated cult following that people actually just still love to watch. I, I'm not particularly a fan of those. Those aren't mine. But hey, you know what? Two weeks their own. But you can't, you know, when you're wanting to work with that type of talent that we've attached to these projects, you got to have a story that they want to play. And Anna's really good at writing the screenplays that actors and actresses want to attach to. So kudos to her on that because that's really what drew them onto this project was the scripts. Now, I, I wanted to ask you this. Um, whenever you're dealing with real life events, right, um, how can I put this articulately? 
Did you guys need to seek out any kind of special permissions because you were working off of stuff that was based off of actual events, or, or are you enough removed from reality that that wasn't a concern for you? Well, there's there's the difference between, I'm glad you brought that up, there's a difference between based on a true story and based on true events. Based on a true story basically means, like, I'm going to do the movie of, of, of Casey Ryan. If I do that, I have to go to you and get your rights to your life story, and I'm going to make a movie based on your true life, which is going to have a lot of aspects that is your life and that you own of your personal aspects of that storyline. If I'm basing a storyline uh, on true events, those true events are stuff that we take that are already public knowledge, that are already on the books, that have been known throughout history, which allows us the latitude to then take that and materialize that into anything that we want. Um, so no, we, we didn't have to go to anyone to get any aspects of certain rights to. Everything was from either public records and or court hearings or stuff that was already public information out there. Uh, so once it's publicly out there, it's not something you have to really dive after per se. Um, but there's also, on a side note of that, <laughs> there also is enough twist and flair into it that we have to make it appealing for the entertainment value, we had to obviously alter some Well, yeah, uh, no, and, and uh, no, I mean, that's a really interesting distinction where, because I, I never had put, heard it put quite that way before, and it's proof that you learn something new every day. <laughs> yeah, so. uh, it, it was a learning process for us as well. We were, you know, we were 100% sure, but our manager and our entertainment lawyer said, you know, no, this is, it's one thing if you're doing a true story, that's different, and you do have to get for it. But we also don't use anybody's names. We also don't reference any particular um, uh, crime or any victims' names. Or so no real names are ever used in this. Obviously, out of pure respect for the victims, um, and some of those crimes that happened are also twisted for storytelling purposes too. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you know, that that would be the big thing I would think, right? More so than than being concerned about you know how any kind of accused people would, would feel about that, but really it's the sensitivity towards the victims that... that right. right, right. Yeah, I don't really care about how accused people feel about it, but the victims, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I'll ask you this, because I, you know, the horror genre, I'll, I'll say this, and I've said this many, many times, the horror genre, one of my favorites to interview, because these were the first people to give me my break when I started doing this show six years ago. So, I have a lot of respect for anybody that gets into this genre, period, right? But, but what do you think, Marcus, is it about horror that generally marries itself fairly well with independent filmmakers? Well, the, you, you know, the, the great thing about horror... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just clearing my throat. I apologize. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, you know, the great thing about horror is the Hollywood model in horror films. And that's why it's so, it's so attractive to indie filmmakers. One, because... If you have a great storyline, what's great about horror is that I don't need to do a lot of things to scare you. The human psyche is a wonderful thing. Right. If you take a sci-fi film, I have to do a lot to convince you it's a sci-fi film, which means I have to do a lot of green screening. I have to do a lot of very high-cost adventures uh, in filmmaking in order to transport your mind into that world. Um, the great thing about horror film is that we don't have to do all of that to transport you into being scared because of the human psyche. So minimal locations, minimum, uh, minimal sets, minimal cost on the dollar, but if you have a great storyline, 
you have a hook and you have a catch. And horror fans, too, is not only can you shoot a horror film, uh, you know, pennies on the dollar, um, minimal locations and all of that, and minimal sets and, and whatever, horror fans are really already anticipating enjoying the film because they love to be scared. Right. Um, so they go into that theater and they're like, you know, this is going to be awesome. You know, and if they've seen the trailers and they like the idea, they're already looking forward to it. And horror fans are also very forgiving. I'm not saying you should ever be sloppy in your filmmaking. I'm just saying if you have Captain America and you notice something horribly wrong because of the years of comics that have built up Captain America, you immediately recognize that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and, and horror fans are like, okay, that might not be 100% believable, but I'll take it because his head got chopped off and uh, shoved under that guy's ass. You know, and it's just, it's one of those things where uh, they're just, they're just, I love horror fans. They're just a great crowd to work with, and we can't, you know, we can't wait to continue. Well, and, and I would argue that, that uh, like you, not to put too fine a point on it, but horror fans know what they're getting into when they walk into the theater in the first place. So, they, like you said, they already come pre-pumped, right? Yeah, ab absolutely. And that's what's so great about this genre, um, because what's great about it is that they continually want to be scared. Um, and that's one thing about horror fans that I, I love to, you know, we're going to love to do work with in the future. This isn't our first project by any means. But uh, our first horror project that we're going to do, but you know, we just did the town that we shot the, the trailer in. We just showed a couple of scenes through friends and through people who know or attached to the project, and they just went, they absolutely loved it. They said, Yeah, this is going to be really freaky. <laughs> well, no, I, I almost equate that too. Like, I, I'll admit to this, like, I'm, I'm a roller coaster junkie, right? I, I can't pass them up, right? Right and and you know it's it's the same visceral reaction. You put some great big steel monstrosity in front of me that makes some people turn their stomachs, and I'm going, "Yep, yeah, all right, screw it, sign me up for that." You know. Yeah. Well, you know what's it, what's really cool about it is that the horror genre also has a huge international marketing. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Uh, it's it's unbelievable because horror is one of those genres that could be marketed no matter what the age, no matter what the market. It can, there's always someone who wants to see it. Unlike comedy, which is one of the most extremely difficult films to market because no two people ever have the same sense of humor. But when and, it comes and, to the human and, psyche, everything scares everybody. Yeah, and, and culturally, humor is extremely subjective, right? I mean, right, yeah. yeah. Well, it's just subjective here in the U.S. I mean, between you know, five people in a room, they're all not going to laugh at the same thing. No, I've often equated comedy of going the hard way. <laughs> yes. Yeah, ask, ask my wife about that. She knows way too much about because she's a romantic comedy writer by trade, and it has been an extreme challenge for her because of that. Um, but uh, when she, you know, went into the other genres, and as great as a storyteller she is, she was able to to fly in uh, in other ways, which turned out to be exactly your point. No, I, I, I envy anybody that can do that. Um, so, uh, unfortunately, Mark, this has been a lot of fun. I'd love to have you back on. If your wife wants to come on with you the next time, then I'd, I'd be happy to have her on as well. A absolutely. Let's, let's just do one with her, and uh, she can definitely talk. I, I'm surprised we're out of time already. It was fun. Yeah. No, no, it's, uh, <laughs> it's amazing. How, everybody always says that. It's like, you know, how the hell am I going to fill a half an hour? And then before you know it, it's all over. So, <laughs> uh, so, last word is yours. Where can people go to learn more about Murder Hill? 
Okay, great. Well, if you go on Facebook and do a Facebook search for Awesome Monkey Productions, you will, we're the only one on there. You'll find us right away. There's a lot of talk about Murder Hill. Right now, the Murder Hill website is up and coming. So we'll make all of our announcements through our Facebook page. You can also go to www.awesomemonkeypro.com, which is our official website for the company. And you can find us on Twitter, both at, at AMP Films. I am at Mark Literally. And my wife is at, at Anna Literally. Okay, so, great. So, uh, Marcus, if you could just stick around for one second. I'm just going to sign off here, and uh, I'm going to thank uh, Marcus uh, Cossidy and uh, my other guest, B.J. Lewis, for coming on the show today. Uh, I'm going to be back at the same time next week with two more great guests, one of which is the uh, Mafia hairdresser. My old friend John David is going to be here, so we're looking forward to that. Uh, so until next week, uh, be good, and we'll talk to you soon. Cut, print, wrap, and I am done. That was another edition of The Cutting Room Floor with your host, Casey Ryan. Follow Casey on Twitter at Cutting Room MRB and on Facebook, The Cutting Room Floor. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.